welcome to the Meg and Maggie podcast, where we blend the worlds of physical and mental health to bring you conversations of overall wellness. I'm Meg, one of your hosts. And I'm Maggie. You'll find us having conversations about a wide variety of topics, from how much water you need in a day to how we navigate anxious seasons and everything in between. We are so happy you're here with us and we hope you enjoy. Love, Meg. And Maggie. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Meg and Maggie podcast. Usually I say what episode it is. I have no idea what episode it is. Do you know what episode it is, Maggie? I think it's 32. Okay. We think it's 32. So welcome to We Think It's 32. (laughs) We are really excited today because we are actually starting a month-long series on the woman's cycle, right? The menstrual cycle. So we have been hinting at this and planning around this and like toying with this idea of doing a month long in-depth series of every single phase in our cycle. And we're finally doing it. So all month long in October, you are going to get a new episode every week and it's going to be broken up into every phase of the month for a woman. So really quickly, just to, um, highlight what the phases are. I'm not going to tell you much about them because Maggie is really going to lead the conversation in all these ways. I'm actually really excited to learn from her too. I know a very basic amount about my cycle and I think it's really important that we know more. So I can, I can though list off what they are, right Maggie? Yes. Go for it. (laughs) I know a little bit about you. So We are going to be breaking down every single week in the phases. So this week, we're just going to give a little overview of what they are. I think Maggie's going to give us like a quick intro. Then we're going to jump right into the follicular phase. The second week will be ovulatory. Third week will be luteal. And then fourth week, menstrual. So we are going to just have conversations regarding each one, what they bring, what you can experience, how they vary. And yeah, so I'm really excited to get into this. Maggie, do you want to give us like an overview of all four and kind of why we're doing this? Yeah. So the first thing that um, always comes to mind for me when I talk about this is that we just don't know enough about it, right? Even, Even with all of the information that is coming out about our cycles now, most women don't know really anything about our menstrual cycle, right? I know that was me for a really long time until I started to learn about it for myself because I was having such bad issues. Then I was like, you know, this can't be, this can't be right. Right. Like it can't be right to always feel like I'm suffering and, um, just feel like crap, you know, like why does being a woman have to suck? Right. (laughs) Um, so that's really like what got me into this. And, um, I personally just believe, I mean, it's helped me so much learning more about my cycle, right. Even if we, um, don't take so much action in the beginning, it's so important to know that, things are going to change and we're going to feel different from week to week and we're not crazy. Right. I feel like so often we just get dismissed, right. For being like, Oh, we're just being hormonal this week. Right. And it's like, well, we always have hormones and they're changing from week to week. Right. So it's not like our hormones are just different one week and that's why we feel crazy. Right. But they are probably not um, fluctuating properly because we're not taking care of ourselves properly. And so it's making us feel not great. Right. So I, I just, I love this topic and I think it's so important that we get to learn about what's going on in our bodies and it just empowers us to, you know, 
live in a healthier way and also just, you know, be kind of like going back to the confidence thing, right? Like we talked about this in the confidence episode, like the more that we know about ourselves, the more confident we're going to feel. Mm-hmm. I, I really like that. And before we jump into feel clear, I want to say, because I think a lot of people can relate. And I wonder if you can too, Maggie, for a long time, I just felt like my period just happened to me. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that was what I ever paid attention to. I never paid attention to any of the other phases. Honestly, I didn't even know they existed, all of them. I had heard of like ovulation and things like that, but I honestly had never heard about follicular and luteal. Like I just didn't, or I missed that somewhere along the way. Like I didn't tune into that. So I always felt like my period was just happening to me. Like mm-hmm. it was this dark cloud that would come around once a month and I had to deal with it and I had to deal with the, you know, mood swings and the cravings and all these things that can come along with it. And I just felt like I was in the back seat and my period was driving the car. <laughs> yeah, Like that's how I felt. Yep. And now after learning mainly through you and then doing a little bit of my own like research, there are so many ways to get back in the driver's seat and help the for lack of a better word, the flow of your your month. There are so many things that you can put in place and adapt to or surrender to, like whatever that can look like. It's such an empowering decision to make to kind of take that driver's seat over again for me. So that's why I think this month-long series, I'm like, stoked to do this. Like I'm so excited to break this down for people. Yeah. I'm excited about it too. And I feel the exact same way. That's such a good analogy of like being in the backseat and then moving into the driver's seat, right? Like it's going to take time for us to feel ideal, right? It's going to take time for us to feel ideal around our cycle, but we can take small steps all the time, you know, to help us feel more in control, which is the goal, right? Because it's not supposed to be a miserable experience being right. a woman with a menstrual cycle. It's not supposed to be a miserable experience. Sure. Um, so yeah, I, okay. Anyway, let's get into Jump it. So it. can I ask you some prompting questions or do you absolutely. just run with it? Nope. Go ahead. Okay. So if you had to sum up in a few sentences, if someone was like, Hey Maggie, what is the follicular phase? Like, what does that mean? Like if a client came to you, what would you say? Like, what's like a very layman turn example of what your follicular phase is, does, seems like, feels like, like just a little introduce us to follicular, please. Yeah. I really like that. So, okay. So the follicular phase is the seven to 10 days after you stop bleeding. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, in Western medicine, like when you go to the doctor, you know how they typically ask you when the first day of your last period was right. Mm -hmm. So we in America and other societies too, but we tend to track our period by the first day of bleeding because it's easy to figure out, right? Like when did you start bleeding? Okay. That's day one, but actually that's the fourth phase. So the follicular phase is the first phase of the cycle and it begins when you stop bleeding. Mm -hmm. Um, so that is the first seven to 10 days of the cycle. And there's a lot going on here. Um, but essentially our body is preparing for an egg to be released. Right. Mm -hmm. So that is what is occurring during, during the follicular phase. So we have a bunch of different hormones that are, that play a role in our cycle. 
Um, and during this phase, two of them follicular stimulating hormone, which is the hormone that stimulates the follicle to mature, right? The egg to mature. Um, so FSH and estrogen, they increase to stimulate the release of an egg mm -hmm. and to start thickening your uterine lining, right? So this is the beginning of the menstrual cycle. Um, and this is when our body is preparing for that egg to be released. Okay. I, I like, so the, what I'm, okay. So I love like little, I forget what it's called exactly, but oh, what is it called? Mnemonics? Like where you like pair a name to a name kind of a thing. Okay. Yeah. 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 You saying that it is the follicular phase is preparing that egg follicle to be prepped and ready to go. Those two together, follicle and follicular, duh, makes sense. Like that right. helps me to understand um, what is happening during that phase. It's a good way to remember what is going on. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like, okay. So that's kind of like the overview of metabolically what is happening, right? What about, yep. what are some things that we can kind of expect as women with that increase in estrogen? And what was the other one you said? Yeah. So it's going to be the increase in estrogen and the increase in follic follicular stimulating hormone, follicle stimulating hormone, FSH. Yeah. So some things we can expect, um, during this phase, um, I'm going to talk about energy. I'm going to talk about exercise and I'm going to talk about food. So first let's talk about energy. So during this phase, your energy increases, right? So, you know, how, when you have your period and you kind of feel just like blah and tired, and I don't really feel like exercising or really eating anything of substance <laughs> or, you know, like being social, right? Um, once we get into the follicular phase, our energy begins to increase, right? And we may even feel restless because that energy can pick up very quickly, right? This is when our estrogen increases, we start to get more energy. Um, but this is a great time of the month to try something new and be creative, right? So this can fall into all different areas of our life, whether we're talking about exercise, right? Maybe you go to a new class. Um, it could be food, right? Maybe we're trying a new recipe, um, or it could be just in your work, right? Maybe we're beginning a new project. We're brainstorming, we're, um, coming together with teammates. We're thinking bigger picture. We're thinking in the future, right? This energy is rising. So we want to put it to use. Mm, I like that so much. That makes so much sense because it's true. After my period stops, I'm like, okay, now I can do this. Right. I felt like I've been down and out for the past like couple weeks or so. And now I feel like I'm ready to go. I'm ready to do that harder workout class. I'm ready to cook beautiful meals. I'm ready to stay in my office later at night. Like that is for sure. Something that happens for me is that my energy starts to creep back up. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, I feel like we tend to think, um, at least I believe this, right. That the week before my period, when I was like PMSing, you know, and then when I had my period, those cycles were wrong. And then the other two weeks were right. Right. Mm. Like that's how I used to feel about it. Right. Like, so when my period ended, I was like, okay, I'm normal again. Right. But that's not, that's not the case, right. Each phase just has its own benefits to it. Right. So follicular phase is whether we feel like it's right. Um, it's just when that energy is increasing, right? Like I feel like I can be social. I feel like I, you know, can take on new projects and think big picture. And I want to go do that hard workout, like you said, right. Or I want to make a new, um, recipe. And so it's important to, that we remember that none of the phases are right or wrong, but they all have their own benefits and their own beauty to them. Right. Because sure. we are able to do different things well in each different phase. 
I like that. I like that a lot. I keep forgetting that we're only, I'm like, okay, what happens next? But I keep forgetting we're doing week by week. We are only in follicular right now, which I love because we need this serious breakdown of all these things. Okay. So you mentioned energy food. What foods are super beneficial during this time specifically, would you say? Yeah. So, um, there are tons of resources on this. So I would say, you know, look it up for a comprehensive list. Um, however, during the follicular follicular phase, I want to talk about our metabolism in general first. Um, so during the follicular and ovulatory phase, our metabolism is a little bit slower. So this might seem counterintuitive, right? Where you'd be like, okay, but I have more energy. So wouldn't my metabolism be working faster? Actually, no. So um, we are able to, in this time, eat less food because our body's not breaking it down as quickly. Um, and we're also able to exercise harder because we're kind of keeping that food around a little bit longer, right? So we want to go for lighter types of foods during this phase, um, lightly, light ways of cooking, right? Like steaming and things like that. Um, and we are trying to keep everything light. I don't really have another word to explain it. Um, and then in comparison to that, right, obviously in future weeks, we're going to go into the other phases, but during the luteal and menstrual phase, which is the week before your period and your period, our metabolism actually speeds up. So we need more food. So that's why you probably feel hungry during those phases. Right. And like, you're crazy. Cause we've talked about this so many times, right. You're like, yeah, I just I feel like I need more food. I'm like, yeah, you do. <laughs> you do need more food. Right. <laughs> so during the follicular phase, we, um, we just don't need as much food. And I'm not talking about like a, a thousand calorie difference, right? I'm talking about like 250 to 500 calorie difference, right? So it's not that significant, but maybe like one less snack, you know, sure. during the day type sure. of thing. It's interesting to you. And I wonder Maggie, if you, I'm getting really curious about this now, because I really need to get in full transparency. I'm not fantastic yet at tracking my period. I know a general amount now, but I don't have it like written down somewhere. Like I haven't done that yet, but I'm really getting curious about it in the terms of food because I go grocery shopping every Sunday. So I'm getting ready to go grocery shopping this afternoon. We're recording on a Sunday today, everybody. And I find that some weeks I am in the produce department buying all my vegetables, all my fruits. And then I'm going over to the meat counter and I'm getting like beautiful grass-fed beef and like chicken and fish and like all this gorgeous, like wild caught salmon, like good, good nutrient dense foods. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Then other weeks, I don't even feel like going in the produce section. I don't even feel like getting fish. I just want quick, easy, like instead of getting like fresh wild caught salmon, I'm looking for like the fish sticks. Mm -hmm. Like, Like, I'm getting really curious about that because some weeks I just don't crave those nutrients the same way as I do during others. And I really need to start to track that because I'm so curious if that matches up with my cycle. Like if during follicular and ovulatory, if those weeks I'm, you know, is standing in the produce section and picking everything out and la la la. And then if the other weeks I'm like, you know what, none of that sounds good. And maybe those are the weeks then that I can switch to, you know, if fresh produce and fresh meat and all that stuff don't sound appealing. I wonder if those weeks I can switch to, and we don't need to go into detail about it because we're obviously going to break it down in more detail, but I wonder if those weeks then I would just switch to a chili or a stew or a soup. Do you know what I'm saying? Like denser yep. food. 
Yeah, absolutely. This is such a good point. So there are so many different components to food, right? We just, we typically, at least for me, I know I typically think about just like what I'm eating, right? But how you eat it also makes such a big difference, right? If you think about raw broccoli versus steamed broccoli versus like broccoli in a soup, they're all very different, right? Like if you think about like a, a raw broccoli versus a really cooked broccoli, they, they seem like completely different foods, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so those, those things, they really play a role in this as well. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if what you're saying is true, where during the follicular and ovulatory phases, you are gravitated more towards the fresh produce and, um, all that type of stuff. And then during your luteal and menstrual phase, you are not gravitating towards that, right? Because when we think about our food, um, we want to think about the foods that will support our body to do what it needs to do at that time. Right. So like we said, in the beginning, each week of the cycle, we have different hormones doing, doing different things. Right. So during the follicular phase, we want the food we eat and how we eat it to support our estrogen rising and our FSH rising. Right. Um, so to do that, I looked up my little favorite chart here. Um, my favorite resource for, learning about this is flow living flo um living it is my favorite company to learn about all this but there are many now um but the founder her name is elisa vidi she has a fantastic food chart it just breaks it down really simply into different categories so it has greens vegetables fruits legumes nuts and seeds meat seafood and then other and then it has a column for each phase right so menstrual phase follicular phase ovulatory phase luteal phase so if we go into the follicular phase food charts, um, it'll list all of the different foods that are helpful to our bodies during this phase to have our hormones do the right thing, right? And this doesn't mean that we can't eat any other foods, right? That, that's not what this means at all. Um, it just means that if you have a choice, right? We want to try to choose these foods during this week as much as possible because they're supportive to our body, right? So we don't want to look at it in a way of restriction as like, I can only eat these things and I can't do that. I can't do this. I can't do that. Right. That's not how we want to look at it. We want to look at it as a, um, how can I support my body today? Oh, I love working with you, Maggie, before you like list that off. Like I just, oh, it's so good for, I think it's like my inner teenager is like, I needed Maggie at that age. Cause I was so strict. And like, if somebody told me like a tip, I was like, well, I got to do it a hundred percent. We're not going to not do a part of it. We're going to go all in. And then, you know, I'd crash. So hearing you say that sometimes I just get like, hearing you speak like that and knowing that you're speaking like that to your clients. I'm like, we're so lucky to have you. Thank you. (laughs) I needed me when I was younger too. I needed this. Yeah. I totally get that about, you know, thinking of everything in terms of restriction and like following the rules and I have to do it this way. I can only do it this way. So black and white. Yes. Yes. So these are just some things that can help embellish our diet while we're in the follicular phase. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'll just list off some of these here. Um, and you can find this chart and if you just Google, like I just Googled flow living food list popped right up. Um, so for greens, we want to go with barley and oats. So like, this is a great time for your, you know, oatmeal breakfast. Um, so listen to these vegetables, Meg. So you have artichoke, broccoli, carrots, lettuce, parsley, peas, rhubarb, string beans, and zucchini during the follicular phase, right? So we're talking like 
fresh veggies, you know, kind of light, lots of green ones, but some colors in there too, you know? Um, and then when we get to fruits, we have avocado, lemon, lime, orange, plum, pomegranate, sour cherry, right? So it totally sounds like you're standing in the produce aisle, like give me all of these like light, fresh foods, right? Yeah, citrusy, especially the citrus fruits that makes a lot of sense during that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, I, I love this resource because when I am, so I'll use it when I'm grocery shopping, right? I will pull out this chart. I actually have um, both of her books. So I'll just pull it out in the in the book, but I'll make my grocery list based off of this list as much as possible, right? So say for example, yeah. um, the meat for this phase, it says chicken and eggs. So that's what we want to eat mostly, but that doesn't mean I'm never going to eat beef or turkey or whatever else during this phase, right? I'm just mostly going to choose chicken and eggs if um, I have the opportunity to, which I do when I go grocery shopping, right? So I'm going to plan some meals um, around chicken and eggs this week. Yes. Um, so yeah, that is how I use this list. Um, and I find it very, very helpful because I noticed that when I incorporate the foods for each phase, um, more, I definitely feel better. Right. And going back to what you said about, um, wanting to do your normal, we'll call it like your normal grocery shopping, right. During your follicular and ovulatory phase. And then you're Mm -hmm. straying away from your normal grocery shopping and your luteal and menstrual phase. Mm -hmm. That's because your normal grocery shopping is consisting of these foods, right. And not the other ones. Um, so it, it, when we can start to incorporate the foods that are best for each phase, we notice a few things, right. One that we can't do the same thing every week. Right. And also that, you feel better when you're eating foods that are in line with what your body needs at that time, at least for me personally. And I'm sure this is the experience of a lot of people. Otherwise this woman probably wouldn't be in business, but <laughs> I agree. And I also want to add, I think too, coming from like more of the mental health side, we know so much that a lot of things are just a mental game, right? So just knowing that you are, I'm sure there's a lot to it. And I'm sure she chose those foods for like different vitamins and properties of them and things like that. But I also think that sometimes just knowing that we are in a non-restrictive, just fun, add in some foods that are nourishing my body. It's just the mental idea that I'm quote unquote nourishing my body. Right. You know what I mean? That in and of itself is just, I value myself, my body, my nutrition, my health. Therefore, I'm going to make these decisions, decisions accordingly. Yep. I think that's half of it that's half of just the, I'm taking care of myself as a form of self-care. And so that in and of itself is just honoring you. I would agree a hundred percent. I fully believe that you can reach any goal with almost any plan. If you believe it's going to work, I love that. you know, like people are always looking for, you know, what's the best diet, what's the best workout, what's the best, this, what's the best that most of the time you can achieve any goal with any plan. If you believe it's going to work. So I, I definitely agree when, you know, I approach it from a place of I'm doing this because it's going to nourish my body. It's going to nourish my body and I'm going to feel better because that's my intention, right? I have an intention and then I'm taking action towards that. So I'm going to feel better, right? Then when you put a little science in there and some Chinese medicine and some, you know, like these are the nutrients, then, you know, of course it's going to work, but, um, yeah, I a hundred percent agree. It's all about intention and, um, what you want to get out of it is what you're going to get. Love that. 
Okay. Can you share with us some exercise now? I'm sorry. Were you done with food though? Don't let me. Yeah, no, I was done with food. I wanted to move into exercise. This is my favorite part because this is my (laughs) real expertness coming out. Yeah. Okay. So uh, this is such a, I feel like this part of it is one of the least researched parts of it. Right. And this is because I could go on forever, but, um, so much research in exercise science and all, you know, parts of health, um, have not been done on women who have a menstrual cycle, right. Because it's quote unquote, too complicated, you know? Um, so most studies will be done either on men or on women who don't have a cycle anymore, right? Because it's easier and this isn't representative of so many people, right? So the research on what exercise to do during each phase of your cycle is very, very new. However, um, there is information out there that I have found to be helpful for me um, and for my clients and there are studies on it. Um, and I do think it is important that women exercise according to a slightly different schedule than men or women who don't have a cycle, right? Because just like we said before, our energy is really low during the last half of our luteal phase and our menstrual phase, right? And then when we get into follicular ovulatory phase, that energy is rising, right? So how are you going to tell me that I'm going to be able to do the same exact workout all four weeks of the month? If I do that, I cannot expect the same results, right? And this is why women, a lot of times, I experience this with clients constantly. They're like, well, I did really good last week, but this week I suck. And it's like, no, actually you don't. Your body's just handling all of this differently and you don't have the capacity to deal with the same type of intensity and stress from week to week. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so it's important that we recognize that. So anyway, with the follicular phase in particular, um, like I said before, our energy is rising, right? Our energy is high. So we want to use it, right? So we want to push it in our workouts. Um, you could try to set a new personal best, go to the hit class, go to the spin class, do something new, you know, um, if you're feeling full of energy or having trouble sleeping, um, try adding in a walk or a run to your day too, right? If that fits in your schedule. Um, so this is a great time for something that's going to get your heart racing, something that's exciting, something social. Um, it's not really going to be the best time for like a slow yoga class or, um, a slow walk by yourself, right? Like those things are of course nourishing and fantastic. And if that's what you feel like doing, by all means, go do it. Right. But during this time, we want to increase the intensity because we can, right. We get so, um, hooked on, especially women. This is like such a trend with women. And I love it too. Like the high intensity interval training and things like that. Right. Like it's a fun workout. It's short. It's especially if you're doing it in a group, like you really sweat, you know, you're like, wow, I did really good today. Right. And we get so hooked on that. Um, and that's not appropriate for, all weeks of our cycle, but this week it is right. So go for it, go for it, go to that class. Um, yeah, that is what we want to be doing exercise wise during this week. I I love that. And I want to like circle back really quick because I think you touched on something that is really important and something that I actually really didn't know. And that is really interesting that in research, the chosen participants were not women who were like who didn't have their period at all or just not menstruating at the time? 
Um, most of them choose women who don't have the period at all. So they're in menopause, um, or they'll do it during, I believe like the luteal phase. If when you're in your luteal phase, they'll do research projects because it's like the easiest one. Um, I I could be wrong on that. It's during one of it's, I know it's not ovulation. (laughs) I know it's not the menstrual phase. So it's either the follicular phase or the luteal phase, but that's not representative of the whole cycle. Sure. Right? If we're like, always doing research on the same people at the same time, that's not representative of what's going on outside of that time. I, so yeah, I really wanted to circle back to that because that is very interesting to me. And it honestly, it gets that fire going inside of me of like, well, then how can we trust what was out there? Like what in the world? Like, thank God there's new things coming out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And it's not like, that that research is wrong. It's just not as applicable to everyone as we're made to believe that it is. Absolutely. We know yeah. more now. We know more now that they're, that's a huge confound in research, right? So that's one of my favorite terms in research is just like basically that it's not, um, it's a huge loss, error, big thing that it's not incorporating all that we want it to incorporate, especially when we're talking about women specifically. So I wanted to make sure that I, we went back to that quick because I think that's one, fascinating, and two, exciting that it is finally coming out. And I also agree with you that I can speak from a more, um, experiential, like my own experience lens of feeling like, okay, you know, how many times I bet those times that I signed up for the new gym or the new class or the new program, I bet I was in my follicular phase. Yeah. I don't know for sure, but (laughs) I bet I was because I was like, let's go, let's do this. Here's all my money. Here's everything. And then I'm like, yeah, for about two weeks. And then for the next weeks, I'm like, oh, well, that sucked. I'm over that. Let's move it along. You know? And I yep. just wonder if I had the information presented to me in that way at that time, I wonder if I would have been more, oh, okay, girl. Well, that's okay. Now it's time to slow down a little, get back up when you feel better. Like that amount of grace would have been everything and would have been saved me so much mental energy of spiraling and feeling like a failure and wondering what was wrong with me and feeling quote unquote crazy, you know? And so thankfully we know more now and we can do better and I can totally know this now going forward. And so can everyone listening, but what an interesting piece of information to have (laughs) not been taught. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I know. I, I agree with you hundred percent. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, we were able to look back and look at all those things. Um, if you were in one, either the follicular ovulatory phase too, right? Because we are, we're looking for something new. We're trying, you know, let's go get the next big goal. Let's socialize. Let's go, you know, take this class. Let's do that, whatever. And then you get to your luteal phase and you're starting to turn more inwards and you're like, all right, I got to just complete this project. I need to check things off my to-do list. I really don't want to go to that social class. You know, I need to do this. And then you get your period and you're like, oh man, I'm really tired. And then you convince yourself that you're a failure because you didn't do the same thing that you did two weeks ago. So then you just never go back. Oh my gosh. Do you know what would be really interesting? I'm going to just say that. Oh, never mind. I'm not going to share it. If Maggie, I'm going to talk to Maggie about it afterwards. If she says we can share it, then we'll share it. But I just had a really interesting freaking concept and I'm going to wait in case Maggie wants to like patent it, trademark it, do something. Okay. With it. So hold <laughs> okay. on everybody. Anyways. <laughs> 
in case she is about to go on Shark Tank. Hold on. <laughs> I'm just oh kidding. Oh my gosh. Let's um, go. <laughs> let's go. Yeah. No, that is really, really interesting and something that I think from a young age, we were taught in school, at least in New York State, American society, like we were taught about our menstrual cycle and what happens and how, you know, an egg is released and all these things. But I personally don't remember learning about all the phases. And if we did, it was just, these are the phases. There was nothing um, nitty gritty about it. And I think I have an example of this, of just how sometimes I think our society has been shaped and taught and, you know, things have been, um, you know, just not very conversation friendly to the everyday person. I remember when I was a teenager, it was the first time that I was considering and um, like planning to use birth control, right? I think I was like 18, 17, something like that. And it was time for me to go choose a birth control. And I was super skeptical. Like I was really surprisingly very nervous. And I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And all these things. And I remember going to my doctor and I have a new doctor now who's fabulous. So it wasn't her, but there was another doctor that I had. And I said, Hey, what are some of the, what can I expect with this type of birth control? What do the hormones do? Like, how does this work? And I can't make this up. They looked at me and they said, the risk is heart attack, stroke, death, just like that. And I was like, I, that's not what I'm asking. Like, I understand there's side effects. Like, of course, like I know there's a risk with I think Advil has that risk too. Like, I understand what you're saying, but like, I'm asking in a conversation like way, what are some of the things that I can expect with this hormonal medication that I'm about to take every single day? And the response I got, I immediately changed doctors because, you know, I get that they were just very black and white and, you know, those were the most extreme uh, risks, if you will, but it wasn't helpful. It wasn't comforting. It didn't make me feel any better about, um, birth control. And that's a whole other, we can totally do a whole other episode just on that alone, I think. But for the sake of this, I just think that us having conversations that are relatable and that you can actually talk about without being in this field or a healthcare professional, I think is really important. Yeah, I agree. I also remember, um, I went on birth control in college and the reason why I went on birth control, like the main reason why I went on was because I had really bad acne and that was what I was told was going to solve my acne and it did not, it made it worse. Um, but something I wanted to point out with this is that if you are on a hormonal birth, birth control, your cycle is not going to affect you the same way that it would if you are not on hormonal birth control, because when we're on hormonal birth control, we're essentially squashing all of these cycles, right? Our hormones do the same thing every day because of the medicine. Um, so you're not going to be able to experience all of the different phases of the cycle and all of the different benefits each of them have and, um, the able, the ways that we are able to, um, work as a woman, better because your hormones are just doing the same thing every day. So that's something to keep in mind too, um, when you are on birth control. I'm really glad we hit that then because that's something I just didn't think about. Um, in full transparency, I'm not on birth control. It wasn't something that, um, was working for me. It wasn't something I felt comfortable taking and everything in my body was like, I don't want to take this pill every day. Like I just, it was a very personal decision. And I understand that one, as a society, we are extremely behind. We're like just now coming out with some other alternatives, but like, 
we were so behind for so long on this being one of the only options was to take hormones either in an IUD form or um, contraceptively. And I think it's just a really interesting thought. So yes, I'm glad we touched on that. I totally forgot about that, that if you are on a hormonal birth control, what we're saying may not apply fully, but it's still good for you to know all about your phases. So no one feel like, ah, I'm on it. I got to, you know, this isn't helpful to me. It's still really important to know about your cycle. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that, um, there's a few things that I wanted to touch on. One was that I was on birth control for a few years as well. And it felt wrong to me too. Like mm-hmm. something in my gut, like it was just like, this is incorrect, you know? Um, so when, once I came off of it, I felt so much better. Like I had that, you know, the fogginess and the, just like not feeling good type of experience. Um, and, The other thing that I wanted to mention was that, yes, of course, I, we fully understand that there are many reasons why people would choose to take hormonal birth control. And this is not us telling you like you made the wrong decision, right? Like that is not not, this at all. Um, That's not our place to make that decision. However, when you are in a place to come off of it, I am excited for you, (laughs) you know, because like there's so much we get to experience as a woman. And the third thing that I want to point out out of what you were saying, Meg, is that the more we get to know about our cycles, the more comfortable and confident we can be managing them without external hormones, right? Because we can learn how to help our bodies, um, in that natural way. Um, and, also, you know, you get to learn, there's like so many different components. We can go into this, um, but we're not going to go all there today, but like you learn about your different like fluids and things like that. Right. And you can tell when you're ovulating because it changes and, um, you can track your, you know, um, uh, my God words, (laughs) you can track, you know, when you're ovulating based on your, your body temperature, when you wake up in the morning, um, and things like that. And there are many, you know, beautiful benefits to not being on birth control. And with that being said, there are a million reasons why you would be on it. And like, that is your exactly, decision. exactly. And like I said, as yeah. a society, we have not made it accessible yet to have the comfort and the peace of mind of not being on it. Right. And I want to kind of pause here because I really feel like we have so many thoughts on this topic and it's such a important one that I kind of want to like pause and wait. Cause I would love to do a whole episode just on our journey with birth control as a whole. Yeah. Let's do it. My gosh. Okay. So follicular phase, everybody follicular phase, eat your, eat your fruits and veggies, do your high intensity workout, yes. um, brainstorm, Dream, create, start a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Do whatever you want, write a book, like just enjoy that energy. And if you're not experiencing that, definitely talk with your OBGYN. I talked to somebody the other day who I was like, oh, well, they were talking about um, their phase. And I was like, well, what did your OB say? Like, that sounds a little off. Like, what did they say? And she goes, oh, I don't have one. I just see my primary care doctor. I'm like, I think you might want to see an OB. Like, I think it's important to have a specialized doctor for these kind of things for us as women. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and whatever that specialized doctor looks like for you is great. Like for me, I see a naturopathic doctor um, and she is fantastic. I about that. Um, yeah. So there are so many options. Um, and, but regardless of how you learn about it, just learn about it. That's yes. what's most important. I love that. Okay. Well, we will see you guys next week with ovulatory phase. Yes. I'm excited for that awesome. one.
Yes. Okay. We'll see you guys then. Bye. Bye.